Well, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about pursuing God. This this past week, uh, God's really kind of dumped on me a picture, and and that's pretty much the picture right there. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, I just sent Connie the stuff and told her to find some good pictures, and Connie found the picture. Okay, so it's it's just God. All this works together. I don't have to tell people everything to do. I just let God use the gifts in them that they have, and you know what? God does what He wants to do. But I just this is the in 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 the Exodus. This is the picture of the pillar of fire at night. During the day, it was a it was a pillar of cloud. It was a cloud. It was the presence of God. And all week long, I've just been it's just been rolling around in my spirit that the cloud is lifting. Okay. We've been here a year. God's, it's, God's presence will be here, okay? But, but the, the presence for us specifically is lifting. And we're going to take a journey. And when that cloud rests again, we're going we're to stop our journey, all right? I hope that's about three or four weeks, okay? I, I'll just be honest with you. But I don't know, okay? So I just this week as I thought about that, I, I just put together a, pretty simple. It's not going to be rocket science, but it's pretty simple. It's just it's about pursuing God. That's what I'm calling this, pursuing God. How many of you would say following God's a tough job? One person raised their hand. Most everybody's nodding. Following God's not easy. Okay, and anybody that tells you it is, there's a name for them. <laughs> okay, it's not. It's not. The past God usually take are not the ones any of us would have ventured down. Amen? How many of you have taken a path pretty much the way you thought it was going to be? There's there's probably none of us. The methods he uses are not the first ones we would have chosen, are they? The places he chooses to camp and the exit he wants to get off of and the rest areas he wants to spend some time at are not the ones I would have ever gotten off of in my wildest dreams, okay? I would have passed that exit right up because I didn't like the way it looked down there. I would have not stopped at that rest area because of everybody else that was there. You understand what I'm talking about? His choice of timing, okay, this is the one that gets me, just kind of mystifies me. His timing and my timing are rarely the same. Okay? How about you? I just can't seem to get on his clock. Okay? I've I've got my own clock, and he's got a clock, and we're going by his clock. When I was in high school, uh, those of you that went to Mormon Jordan and are my age will remember Mr. Trotter. There was regular time, and there was Trotter time. (laughs) We went by Trotter time. And folks... We go by God's timing, whether you realize it or not. His timing is, is, is mystifying, and it's, and it's also, it almost defies explanation. And for the most part, He rarely ever gives an explanation. It's often, the journey that we're on is often unpredictable, improbable, and it seems like it's impossible, doesn't it? How many of you would say, you know what, where God's taking me is impossible? It is for us. It's not for God. God is taking every one of us on a journey. And He's taking us as a church on a journey as well. He's going from point A to point B. 
But how many of you realize that he rarely goes in a straight line? I learned in, I didn't learn much in geometry because there was way too many rules to keep up with. I think they call them theorems, and I couldn't memorize them all, but it made sense. Geometry made sense. But I learned in geometry that this, the straightest distance between two points, I mean, the fast shortest distance, well, I, I, I didn't learn the theorem exactly right. But to get to point A to point B, go straight. But God rarely takes us on a straight path. It winds and it weaves around. And whether you realize this or not, getting anywhere quickly is not particularly one of God's passions. Now think about that for a minute. I want to go now. And I want to do it now. But God's not, you know, God's not on my now schedule. God's it's, it's kind of like, I mean, if you look at the Exodus, they meandered around and wandered around, and folks, r- literally, there was about three highways they could have chosen, and they chose none of them, and in three or four days, they could have been in Canaan. But that wasn't the path God wanted to take them on. God's not in a hurry. He's eternal. That means time does not affect God. In fact, the Bible says that a day with God's like a thousand years, a thousand years, like a day. So he's got all the time in the world. We don't have all that time. And so if we're going to journey with God, we've got to get on his timetable, and we've got to put ourselves under his control. God loves every one of us so much that he will take as much time with each one of us as he needs to to get us where he's going. Some of you are so far ahead of me, I can't even see you, okay? But I'm going to get there. Just wait on me when you get to heaven. I'll get there sooner or later, okay? And some of you feel like that you're lost in the high grass and you're never going to. You're going to get there because God is patiently working with you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life, and he will see it through. Don't give up. Don't panic. If things are tough right now, don't throw in the towel. Just keep walking. God has a plan. He's got a purpose. And what he does is he loves us so much that he will take all the time he needs to teach us what we need to know. He doesn't want us to get to be the destination and not understand anything about him. And so this journey we're on is important. But it's more than a journey. It's, it's, It's really a pursuit. Following, for the most part, is not something that comes naturally to us. Now, I'm going to share some things right here you may never have thought about. But most of us are not followers. Now, we may say, yes, I am. I'm a follower. I'm not a leader. Well, you may not be a leader, but you're not a follower. None of us come into this world wanting to follow anything except what we want. Amen? That would be a good place to say amen. Take a deep breath. It's true. We're born selfish. And we're born wanting what we want. So we're not very good followers for the most part. We want to pursue our own self-interest instead of God. And if you don't think so, you just take an exit out here, go to your left, jog back a little bit down this hallway and visit all those precious children. Okay? Nobody had to teach them to be selfish. They came here selfish. When their diaper's dirty, they want it changed. When they're hungry, they want to eat. When there's a toy they want, what do they do? They grab it and say, Mine. We come here selfish. We come here not wanting to follow. But God wants, us, wants to teach us 
how to follow. And following God means eventually that I have to take my eyes off myself. You have to take your eyes off yourself. And you have to lock them on God. And that's a process. Okay? I, I would do an injustice to you if I said that takes place one time and it never happens again. And But it's not. It's a process. We lock them on God. And then we get, ah, look over there. You ever do that when you're traveling? Kathy and I, we have this joke. She'll be talking to me about something really serious, and my mind will just kind of wander, and she'll go, squirrel. It's off a movie from somewhere. Those of you that know what the movie is, you'll know what. I mean, it's like, squirrel, I'm just like this, you know. We're talking, having a really in-depth conversation, and a commercial comes on. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but that's the way we are in real life. We, we fix our eyes on God, and then all of a sudden, and there we go. And so following God means eventually I have, to, I have to take my eyes off me and put them on Him. And that's not always easy. And the reality is it takes most of our life to learn to do it. Following God's tough. But you know what? There's really no other option. We really don't have another option. If we follow our desires, we either end up dead or slaves. Or the ultimate, dead slaves on the side of the road. Okay? And so there's really no other option. God knows the destination. God knows the route that He's chosen to get us all where He wants to get us safely. And all we need to know, or, or all we think about is, you know what, this place looks pretty good. This place looks pretty good. God, I really want to camp out here. God, I want to stay here. The, there's plenty of water here. There's plenty of grass here. There's plenty of food here. Boy, the entertainment's really good here, God. Do we have to move on? That's kind of the way we are. And God just kind of, He just moves, and we have to follow Him. Our selfishness, though, will leave us stranded. Okay? How many of you have ever been stranded? Let me put it in plain terms. Broke down on the highway, flat, out of gas. You ever been there? I've been in all of those places more than once, okay? Funny stories coming to my mind. I don't have time to tell it, but I'll tell it one of these days. Uh, but stranded is the worst possible place to be. Stranded is never a good place. So the question this morning I want to ask you is, do you really want God's best? And it's easy to say, yes, I do. But it's really hard to put yes, I do in action. Because if we really want God's best, we will pursue Him. We will pursue Him. Maybe you're here this morning and, and a lot of things have gone on in your life and, and you just don't know if you want to surrender to God. And Maybe you need a reason, a good reason to follow God, to cast off that faulty sense of direction. Uh, I call it giving up, giving in, and giving over to God. Maybe that's where you're. Maybe you need a reason. I'm going to give you three reasons this morning. I'm not going to just give you one, but I'm going to give you three reasons. Uh, I don't follow directions very well. Last night we went to to Huntsville to to, to visit a, a friend of mine whose father had passed away, and uh, I got MapQuest directions. And I, let me tell you who prints MapQuest, and it ain't God. Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't have a GPE. I mean, i got a phone, but it's just hard to follow. But MapQuest says, bear this way, bear that way. Then, then you have two roads that kind of do this, and it tells you nothing. And then it says, and if you go to so-and-so lane, you've gone too far. Make a gentle, legal U-turn. 
And I'm looking around. Roads are going everywhere. That's not God. God won't give you map quest. God will lead you by the hand. That's what He wants to do. But we have to follow Him. So I'm going to give you three reasons this morning, and I'm going to use the the pillar of, of, of cloud and, and the pillar of fire as, a, as kind of a, an illustration of it. But when the, when the Israelites left Egypt, they'd been slaves for almost 400 years. They'd done the same thing in the same place every day, over and over and over and over for generations. Okay? The same thing. They made bricks. And they laid bricks, and they made bricks, and they laid bricks, and they plowed. And they made bricks, and they plowed, and they made bricks. They knew how to do one thing, and that was how to be a slave. They were slaves to a system. And that system that they were under used them until it used them up. That system didn't allow them to be all that God had intended. That system cast them off when they were no longer profitable and replace them with younger, stronger models. Does that system sound familiar? It should, because it's the same system that works in politics, that works in media, that works in education, that works in entertainment, that works in sports, and sadly, folks, it's a system that has infiltrated itself into the church. Use, 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 until there's nothing left to use, and then, hey, we don't need you. Well, that was the system they were They were slaves in the system. And as these slaves left Egypt, God did something rather miraculous so that they would be willing to follow them. He appeared to them in, in, in a way where they could physically see Him. You say, well, the Bible says no one has seen God. No, they didn't see God in His spirit form, but they saw Him they saw the fire of God. They saw the glory of God. That's what they saw at night. And then they saw a cloud in the day that, that there was fire in. They saw the presence of God. And so what he would do is he would appear as a, as a cl- cloud by day and he would appear as a fire by night. And he showed them personally this so that this ragtag group of 2.5 million people wouldn't have any problem recognizing him and following Him to a a destination that He was leading them to. They had heard about the promised land. They had heard about it generation after generation after generation. The only problem was none of them had ever been there. They knew the name of the land. They knew the promise that God had given Abraham, but they didn't know what the land was really like. So they had no idea. It was just, it was one of those, it was like Santa Claus in their mind. And so God appears to them. And God gives them something they can see. And God purposely decides that He'll lead them. Now I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 17 and 18. And then I'm going to read verse 20 through 22. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. When Pharaoh finally let the people go. Now, Finally is, is kind of an interesting translation there for me because Pharaoh finally let the people go after God had pretty much destroyed everything that was worth anything in Egypt. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory. 
even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. The Israelites left, verse uh, 20 says, The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went ahead of them. And he guided them during the day with a pillar of the cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. What that text says is that God personally led them. His presence. And you can call it a lot of different things. His, his glorious presence. Uh, the Hebrew word is his Shekinah. His glory. That's, that's what that picture is that we're looking at. His, his visible glory showed up in the sky above them. So every time they looked up, they knew God was there. And once the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, uh, was finished, then, then this pr- visible presence rested over that tent like the picture above shows us. All they had to do was look up and look ahead, and there was God. His appearance was personal. And the reason it was is because they needed something they could see. They had been slaves for generations. They had not looked up. They had always looked down. Slaves didn't look their masters in the eye. That was a sure way to get your head cut off. They looked down. They were beat down. They were slaves. And God positions himself up so they got to look up. I wasn't going to say that. That was for somebody here this morning. You need to look up. You're not a slave. You're not a slave. You're a daughter or a son of the king. You need to look up. They needed faith to grow. And so God shows up personally for them because they needed something they could see so that, so that they could, their faith could be built. They needed faith so that they'd follow God wherever he was leading them. It's, it's interesting that the text says that, that as they left Egypt, they left like an army ready for battle. Now, the only thing there that you need to pay attention to is the word like. Okay? It doesn't say they were an army ready for battle. It just says they left like an army for battle. They marched out with their standards uh, of their family and their tribes. And, and man, they were marching and they were goose-stepping and they were having a big time. But you know what? They're still slaves. All they've done for generations is plow oxen and make bricks. That's it. None of them had been taught the, the, the art of warfare. None of them had gone to basic training. None of them had been taught how to drive a chariot. None of them knew how to weld a sword. I mean, you don't just swing a sword, okay? None of them knew how to shoot a bow and arrow. None of them knew how to use spears. They were slaves. And yet, the Bible says they march out like an army. But they're not an army. And God realized that. The only way they become warriors... See, they were slaves, but they would become warriors. The only way they would become warriors is through experience. And God doesn't want them to get too much experience too quick. Because you know what usually happens when you get too much too quick? I'm done. I'm going back to Egypt. You ever said that? Maybe not that, but I bet you said stick a fork in me, I quit. We've all done that. 
God wants us to get experience, experience, a little at a time, until we realize that with God, all things are possible. And so God doesn't lead them up the highway along the coast into the Philistine territory. God leads them out into the wilderness, and they begin to take us a, a, a weave in here and a weave there and a left turn here and a left turn there. Well, how do they know where they're going? The presence of God goes before them. Their job is to follow the presence. Don't worry about what's going on to the left or to the right because, honestly, there's not a lot of scenic stuff to see where they were. I've been in part of that world. And How many of you have ever been to Texas, South Texas, where there's nothing but mesquite? There's five of us that have, okay? We got off the interstate at San Antonio and went to Eagles Pass for about 70, 80 miles. The scenery never changes. Okay, that's the same way it was here. There wasn't anything to see because there wasn't anything there. And so they're watching God. And so what happens is he, 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 he understood how fickle they were. He understands, he understands us. Folks, we're but dust. That's what Scripture says. We're but dust. He understands how fickle we are. So he, he manifested himself personally to them. God wanted the people of Israel to follow him. They wanted, he wanted them to seek, listen to me, his presence. Not what he could do for them, but his presence. He wanted them to hunger for his presence. And so he shows up. These are, like I mentioned, these are folks that for 400 years almost had not looked up. All they had been done, all that had happened to them is they'd been beaten, told how worthless they were. And when they fell, another one took their place, and they buried that one, and another, and they went on. They were slaves. And all of a sudden, here's someone that says, I want you. I want you. And folks, that's what God said to every one of us this morning. I want you. Just like you are. Right where you are. I want you. And so he manifests himself to them. And he gives them a hunger for his presence. And here's the deal. Either you have the presence of God in your life or you don't. Either you have experienced it or you hadn't. And you know either way. I don't have to stand up and explain what it feels like or looks like. Either you know God personally or you don't. That's just the bottom line. And God wants you to know him personally. Folks, as a body of believers... A church, unless we have the manifest presence of God, we don't have anything. I don't care how large a church grows if God's not there personally. They don't have anything. They're having a big meeting. We, we, we would be having a big meeting if God was not present. And so the presence of God is, is, is critical, folks. It's critical. God's desire for us is that we hunger for His presence. He doesn't want us to accept anything else. And I'm, I'm going to say a few things, and, and I just I want you to understand my heart. You can preach manipulatively. I think that's correct. You can manipulate people when you preach. How many of you know that? You can raise your hand. It won't offend me any. How many of you have heard manipulative preaching? I have. I pray I've never done any, but I might be guilty of it. But you can manipulate people. You, you, you can learn 
how to, to, to phrase things in a way that will manipulate. You can play off things and you can manipulatively preach. You can also lead worship in a way that's manipulative. That will, that will excite you and, and get you up on your feet and make the goosebumps run up and down your back. And that may or may not be the Holy Spirit, okay? But, but you know what? God doesn't need manipulative preaching. And He doesn't need manipulative worship leading. And I'm going to tell you something. Jim Clark doesn't lead worship manipulatively. And I'm not going to preach a sermon that's manipulative. Okay? I'm just not going to do it. If I can guilt you into heaven... Somebody else can guilt you out. Okay? I just God doesn't need my he doesn't need sensual help, and that's a sense thing. He doesn't need our help. That's why the Holy Spirit, that's why He sent the Holy Spirit. That's why we need His presence, okay? And folks, when God's presence comes, you don't have to ask, is that God or is that Pastor Nelson? Is that God or is that Jim? You know it's God. His breath smells the same every time, okay? It's good. When God comes, you know what? You, you, you don't. It may affect you different ways, but, but very often when He comes, I feel a, a sense of it's. When I say heaviness, I don't. I don't mean a, a dread. I mean a oh, there's something in here that's weighty, and that's literally the Hebrew word for glory. It's, it's kabod. It's heaviness. His heaviness shows up, and when His heaviness shows up, you know what I want to do? I want to get on my face. I want to get as low as I can go, and all I want to say is holy. Holy, holy. Now there's a time when, you know what, when, when, when that heaviness eases up a little bit and it's time to get up and sing and dance and shout and, and clap and, and, and all those things, okay? But when God shows up, you don't have to wonder if He's shown up or not. And listen to me, there's not a pastor in the world or a worship leader in the world that can manipulate God into a service. God comes where he's invited, and where he's given freedom to take over. He won't sit in the back row. He takes over. And so that's what God wants in our life, folks. Sometimes people get all excited by, by preaching when you use the right words and you go on a run of really holy-sounding words and you make your voice crescendo the same with songs. You know, you can hit a high note and, and things get just right and... Whew, man, the goosebumps run it, but it's not always the Holy Spirit. And folks, I don't want that, okay? I'm not going to be a part of that. I want God. Because God can do more in two seconds than ten years of that kind of stuff can do. And that's what we want. When God manifests Himself, there's, there's awe. And the one reason that God appeared to the the Israelites as he wanted them to hunger for more of him. He wanted them to trust him. He wanted them ultimately to follow him. His, his visible presence was a tangible reminder to them that the same God who had destroyed Egypt, they'd seen his power, okay? They lived through it just like the Egyptians did. They heard all the stories, they smelled all the smells, they saw all the sights, except none of it affected them like it affected the Egyptians. They were there the night the death angel went over. I don't know whether you realize this or not. They were there. They heard the screams. They heard the, the blood-curdling screams that were coming from houses all over Egypt. They were huddled in their houses. They, they knew the power of God. But the same God who had done that 
to the Egyptians wanted them to know that he loved them, that they were the apple of his eye, that he would do anything for them. And so his, his, his presence there was so that they could focus their eyes on him all day long and that when they went to sleep at night, the last thing their eyes saw was his presence. The Bible tells us that uh, God has come to live in us. That glory that was up there a few minutes ago, <laughs> I'm not worried about it. You know what? That glory right there, okay? That glory lives within us. Do you realize that? Within each one of us that know Christ, the presence of God is. That same glory lives in us. That same light that they saw is in the life of every believer. And folks, He's even closer to us than He was to them. They could see Him. He lives in us. Jesus said this in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows Me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John the Baptist called Jesus the true light. And I love the way Paul kind of sums up what I'm trying to say here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's the light of Christ. It's His presence. It's His Shekinah glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be God's and not ourselves. God has placed His light within us, folks. We have a GPS in us. And it's not something we have to punch coordinates in. It's a person that we just have to listen to and follow. We have His presence. And if we seek God's presence, folks, He will take care of everything. He'll bring the power. If I'll go after the presence of God, the power of God shows up. I don't have to pursue miracles. I just pursue God. And if I pursue God, He'll bring everything else. Folks, He'll meet our needs. How many of you honestly have a need this morning? I do. You know what? God says, I'll meet those needs. Folks, he'll, he'll, He will bring hurting people to us. And He'll provide a place where we can worship. Whatever it is you need, whatever it is we need, God's presence is the answer. All He desires is that we seek Him with all our hearts. That's what He wanted the children of Israel to do, is to follow Him, to pursue Him with all their hearts. So He made Himself visible. Not only did He promise them His presence, the second thing is, is that He, he promised them His protection. God's manifest presence in the pillar of cloud and in the pillar of fire also provided protection for Israel. I mentioned a few minutes ago, they looked like an army. But looks are deceiving. Okay, They didn't know how to act like an army. They knew how to make bricks. And they knew how to plow oxen. And they knew how to do what they were told. But they were ignorant of warfare. In reality, they were like a herd of sheep. 200, I mean, 2.5 million wandering around in the desert. And so God's 
visible presence appeared. And you know what he would do in the daytime? He would appear as a cloud. You know what that cloud did? It brought a shade. At night, the shade turned into a light. And it wasn't just a light. It was a big light in the sky. How many of you watch the movies where the first thing you've got to do at night to cowboys, I've got to build a fire to keep the wild animals away? God built a fire in the sky to keep the wild animals away because the wilderness where they were at was full of them. He provided that shade during the day to keep them cool. He provided the fire to keep their enemies away at night. And as Pharaoh's army roared out, when they realized, you know what, we've let our labor force go. We, we've messed up. And so he, he, he gives the command and, and his, his charioteers load up and the army marches out and, and they're going to get the slaves and bring them back in. You know what God did? God went from the front position to the rear position. He changed positions. Listen to what Exodus chapter 14, verse 19 and 20 says. Then the angel of the Lord... Now, whenever you read the phrase, the... Not a, but the angel of the Lord. It's talking about a particular person in Scripture. I believe that particular person to be Jesus Christ before His incarnation. Okay, there are, I don't have time to teach on it. It's called a theophany. That's the that's the uh, theological word. But but it's it's an appearance of Christ before He was incarnated. Uh, he appeared to uh, Manoah, Samson's father. And Samson offers up a, a, a meal, a, a, a lamb, and he, op- he offers up um, a sacrifice. And what happens is that angel accepts that worship. And so that wasn't just an angel because you don't worship angels. That was a picture of Jesus. And so what happens is, is the angel of the Lord, Jesus, is leading if you go to First Corinthians, you'll see that, I mean, Paul talks about that they were all baptized with the same baptism and they followed the rock and the rock was Jesus. It, it's the same picture. Jesus is the angel of the Lord here. And it says, and uh, let me find my place here. The, the, the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, who'd been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. In other words, he moved from his position in the front, he moved to the rear. He put himself between them and Pharaoh's army. And the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. And the cloud settled behind the, between the Egyptians and Israelite camps. And as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Now, I don't know how many Egyptians there were, but I'm a pretty conservative estimate is 2.5 million Israelites. And yet they didn't come in contact with each other all night long. Why? Because Jesus, God, was between them. The glory of God stood between them. And just before dawn the next morning, I want you to listen to what took place in Exodus chapter 2014, excuse me, verse 24 and 25. It says, Just before the dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. Uh, the New Living Translation translates this next where it says, and he twisted. Now, literally, it, 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 literally, the Hebrew says, and God removed 
That's, that's the word. They're chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Well, I guess so. You've got no wheels. You don't, you don't go very well. And, and the G- Egyptian said, let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. God fought for them. He protected them with His presence. Folks, He was active and res- responsible for the destruction of their enemies. And God has not changed. Not one iota. He has not changed. Folks, as you passionately pursue God, God will protect you. Amen? God will protect you. He'll be your front guard. But you know what? He'll also be your rear guard. He'll escort you wherever you need to go, whenever you need to go, in whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself in. When you gave your life to Christ, folks, He assumed assumed responsibility for you. You're His responsibility now. Jesus made this promise in John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. We're all familiar with this. But sometimes I don't think we really hear what He's saying. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. I love that right there. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. No one. But he doesn't stop there. He says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father am one. This is you. You're in Jesus' hand. Jesus said, He's in God's hand. Can anybody get to you? Just, let's just be honest. I don't know of anybody who can get to you through God. God will protect you, folks. Jesus says He's got us. We're safe. We're secure. He's our protection. Folks, the enemy cannot destroy us. Jesus is fighting for us, just like He fought for the Israelites. Listen to this. The devil's chariot cannot follow us into the place God is leading us. It's going to get narrower and narrower and narrower until the devil can't go. That's what God's leading us to. He's leading us to a place where there is no devil, where the devil has no power, has no strength, where there is no disease, where there is no sickness, where there is no sin. He's leading us to that place. The devil can't follow him all the way, folks. God will protect you. Lord, if we'll just pursue His presence... God will protect us. The question is, will we pursue His presence? Will we as a church pursue His presence? Will we abandon everything else to go after God's presence? So God says, I'll give you my presence. I'll give you my protection. But finally, that pillar of fire by night and that cloud by day was a picture of God's provision. The manifest presence of God served as their provision. God supplied everything that they needed on their journey. You know what? And God will supply ours. God will supply yours. God has not changed. It gets really, really hot in that part of the world. How many of you realize that? Really hot in the middle of the day. There's no trees to camp out under. Okay? In the Sinai Peninsula and Midian and the wilderness of Edom, Edom, it gets really hot. And what God did is He provided a shade to keep the sun off of them. 
for 40 years. 40 years. It was cloudy every day. What's the weather forecast? Cloudy to partly cloudy. Every day. James Spann be out of a job. So were the rest of them. They didn't have to wonder. It's going to be partly cloudy today. The sun's going to be blanketed. The sun could... We think about, well, they needed water and they needed this. You know what they needed more than anything? They needed shade because they would have all cooked in that sun after a while. And so God provides them sun. And at night, there's all kind of wild animals there. There were lions, there were hyenas, there were wolves. Uh, there were bandits and, and tribes of, of, of robbers and thieves. And, and God builds this personally becomes this big fire in the sky that drives their enemies away. And there were, there, were, there were tribes that would have attacked them, but they saw this and decided not to. So God protects them. God provides water for them. He provides, I mean, just think about this. There's two and a half million of them, and they're in the middle of nowhere. Where do you drink? Where do you get water at? Where's the rest area? When are we going to stop at the bathroom today, Moses? How long do we get there? Can we stop at the U-totem? Well, I'm sure we can. Well, where's it at? God said, okay, let's get off this exit. There's a quick stop here. We're going to eat today. In fact, I'm going to send enough food for you. You'll have all the quail you want. He sent manna every day. God provided for them. His provision was there. Everything that they needed was there. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. When, when God's presence led them, they had everything they needed. And when they followed Him, they had everything they needed. Yet the Bible says God wants to provide even more than that. Folks, He led them to the places He wanted to camp out. He, he led them to the places He wanted to eat at. He led them to the places He wanted to drink at, not the places they necessarily wanted to go. And that's where, when, when it gets down to us and we apply this to us, God has a plan, and He wants us to pursue Him for His plan, not our plan. Folks, I mentioned a while ago, there's two and a half million of them. They'd all heard about the promised land, but none of them had a clue where it was at or what it looked like. They didn't know where the rest areas were. They didn't know where the watering holes were. And God provided everything they needed. And when he got ready to camp out, he camped out. And when his presence would light, when it would rest, they'd pitch tents because they knew they were going to be there for a while. When they got up in the morning, the first thing they did is they checked the cloud. If it was moving, they knew it was time to break camp. If it was resting, they knew they could relax that day. They could rest that day. Listen to what Exodus Chapter 40, verse 36 and 38 says, Now whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys for 40 years. In fact, when, when the presence of God would lift, Moses would cry out this, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. And then when the presence of God would rest, Moses would cry out, Return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. It's like a blessing. Folks, God's protection and His provisions 
even extend beyond where they could see. When they finally cross 40 years later into the promised land, and they go to Jericho, they meet a woman named Rahab. And Rahab hides some of the spies. And you know what Rahab says? She said, we've heard of you. We've heard of your God. Years and years and years ago. See, God's provision was already out ahead of them. He was providing for them. And folks, God wasn't just their provision. God is our provision. Everything we need, God already has. It's already positioned wherever we're going to need it. We just need to follow His glory, His presence. We just need to get in line behind Him and follow Him. If we'll do that, God will lead us to every rest stop. He will lead us to every U-totem. He will lead us to every watering hole in a spiritual sense that we need. As I mentioned in the beginning, I believe that today God's presence for us is lifting from this place. This has been a place where God nurtured us. This has been like a, 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 what do they call it, where they put babies when they're a little premature, incubator. This has been an incubator for us. It's been a safe place. It really has. And, And God's made sure that we had everything that we needed. It's rested here for a year. Okay? Now His presence is lifting. And He's going to move to the right or to the left, I don't know. But I'm going to follow Him, okay? Our job is to keep our eyes on, on Him. Our job is to keep our spirits focused, the ears of our spirits open, and our hearts in full pursuit of God. And if we'll follow God, folks, God will lead us with His presence. We won't have to wonder, is this the right decision? or the wrong decision. What's God's will in this? What's God's will in that? God will make His will known because His presence will be there. Folks, we'll have the protection that we need. Can can I just... I'm going to be transparent this morning. The next three or four weeks terrify me, okay? Because whether you realize this or not, you have become my flock. I love every one of you. And I am so afraid, because I don't know exactly what's going to happen for sure in the next three or four weeks. I'm so afraid that the wolf might get in the flock, or that some of my flock might stop here for a drink and there be no water. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want us to get scattered. But you know what? He's the shepherd. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. We're going to follow him. I'm going to trust him to get his sheep where he wants them to be. Okay? But that's just that's where I'm at. That's my heart. That's what I'm praying against. If we'll follow Him, folks, He will take us where we need to be. And you know what? He got every one of the children of Israel to the doorstep to the promised land. He didn't lose a one of them. And when they got there, you know what they did? They refused to go in. Well, it... Doesn't look like we thought it was going to look. Doesn't sound like we... That's not the same story our, my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother told me. It, it just doesn't look like that. And they, they balked. And you know what happened? A whole generation died. A whole generation. Folks, if we will just pursue Him, He will 
show us his presence. Folks, he'll give us his protection, and he will provide everything we need. The question, and the only question, is if we will pursue him. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.